My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. The event is over, and I had to bring on the box the boxing expert of Fight Game Blog, Doing. How's it going, man? Hi, how's it going, GG? Um, yeah, it was. It's been an interesting few weeks uh, in the sport. Um, it's not your traditional build, but and it wasn't your traditional event, but it, 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 you know, this, I'm sure this has been a huge success, and it's. Uh, it's definitely got people talking. I think uh, the the I guess, I guess the the summary coming out of the show is that Conor McGregor came out looking better in Floyd's sport than than people had predicted, and at the same time, Floyd is able to put the um, the button on his career and do so in a classy way. And in a way in which he promised to the fan base, which is he wasn't going to fight so defensively. He was going to come out and he was going to try to knock Conor McGregor out. And overall, outside of the issues, and I don't know if you heard about any of this, but outside of the pay-per-view issues, which there were lots of people who could not uh, who could not get through and actually tried to have to do it the old-fashioned way, which is calling in. And I don't know how many people got locked out, but it just goes to show that you know, there were a lot of people who were anticipating watching this fight. Yeah, I'd say this, like, this is one of the, and I mentioned this to you all fair last week, this is like one of the great Cardi promotions in history. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a, a wrestling promoter ever who, who wouldn't have been proud of this one. You know, we knew it was going to do really good business going into it, but with such high expectations, we, we kind of wondered what might happen if, you know, if the fans started to see through it or if, if the media turned on it. And that didn't happen. What actually happened is, you know, they rallied the troops on both sides. Uh, McGregor's fans started to believe, you know, they started to ask questions. Is Floyd getting that little bit older? You know, is he, you know, it has the layoff effect to them. Is Connor too big? You know, does the change in glove size help him? You know, they gave they, they, anything that to give their guy that little bit of belief they took on board. And on the other side, you know, boxing fans, even the ones who disliked Mayweather, sort of got behind him too and kind of looked at it as, you know, he was defending the honor of boxing or something. And that was that was kind of exactly what they needed for this to sell. And then when you had the, you had the casual fans, you just saw these two big crossover stars and wanted to be part of the moment. So, so like, you know, obviously... You, they they talked about the rivalry and you know about Connor testing himself and you know how this would affect legacy and all that and you know it was really wasn't about any of that. This was you know a payday for both guys and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just what we we'll just call it what it was. You know this is two millionaires making themselves uh, that little bit richer. But you know it's gonna have been a gigantic success certainly in the ter- in ter- in business terms and um, whether financially. It will have do- it, it, it will have done as well as they'd hoped 
I don't know, just because I don't know what, how how much they put into the promotion itself. You know, the only reason why it w- it wouldn't have made a ton of money for everybody is just that they've overspent on it. Because you know, this is going to be one of the one of the big pay per view cards for all time. I'm sure when the numbers come in, I would say, you know, almost certainly second biggest and. I wouldn't rule out possibly being the biggest. You know, I'm looking at certainly three million pay-per-view buys or upwards. What do you think? I uh, I guessed yesterday um, up. I, I thought near four million, but then I heard the whole paper. I heard the whole thing where the, the systems were crashing, and we heard the same thing around Mayweather Pacquiao where they had to delay the start of the main event because they were worried that not everybody was able to watch because some folks are getting locked out. So that makes me think that it's even higher than four, but I don't know that that's just, you know, based on what had happened the previous time. So, uh, I, I think, I think this is going to be a clear success. Uh, and, and based on, I, you know, I think the one negative, and, and it's not even really a negative because the gate was so high, was that there were still like a thousand tickets left uh, as of the day of the fight. Now, I don't know if those seats got sold or not. I don't know if that meant secondary market, but that was the word. And according to Mayweather, he believes that they did something like an 80 million uh, gate which would be bigger than the Pacquiao gate. I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen those details come out and maybe I just haven't seen them and they are out there. But that just shows you that, you know, those prices were exactly what they needed. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the, even though they, they were, even though they didn't sell it immediately, like it was still the right price to, to, to make the most money possible for this fight. So business wise, I agree with you. I think it, I think it was a tremendous success um, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what some of the other expenses may have been though. They, they probably won't be published, but I just looked at the, uh, the undercard and what those guys were making on the undercard and, uh, you know, they weren't, they, they were making like, I guess, uh, I, I think Davis made 600,000. Um, but everyone else was, you know, what was under that. Uh, so the, as far as the expenses, it was all Mayweather and McGregor's salary probably. Um, what do you think the success of this really tells us about what draws nowadays, I suppose? Because we kind of get this, we're in this time where, you know, people constantly talk about how educated the fan base has become. And, you know, you hear people talking about the uh, the best versus the best and things like that. And this is so far and away the other side of that. But it's still the, fa- the fight the fans want to see, and it's still the one that uh, pe- pe- people people tuned in for. And maybe you know it wasn't, you know, the ticket seller, as you said, you know, they did have some trouble sh- shifting those last tickets at the high high price. But in terms of mass market success, this was as big as they can get. And you know, I think we are looking at a situation where next year we may have had a similar a similar type of fight in. John Jones versus Brock Lesnar, not not exactly the same, but it, it, like it's a, a similar curiosity type matchup rather than, you know, really the number one and the two in the division. And that probably would have been 
had jo- Jones not been uh, John Jones, that, mm. that, 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 that may have been the biggest fight for next year. So what do you think that just kind of tells us about the pay-per-view market at the moment and where we are with it? I, I think there's, there's two things that, that stick out to me. And one is when you have these larger-than-life guys, like, I, you know, Floyd sold this fight based solely on the Floyd May- Mayweather name. I don't think he did anything special to, to sell this fight he, he uh, like when, when this fight was first announced, I thought, you know, the way that they're going to sell this fight is if Floyd feels that it's important. Now, what they did was Floyd went a little bit on the, well, you know, I'm a little bit older. He's younger. Uh, I'm not the guy that I used to be. So he was trying to in, he was trying to put in the belief of the betting fans and also just the casual fans that, you know, he's he's not he's he doesn't expect the best Floyd Mayweather to, to come out there. Now, did he really believe that? Probably not. Um, but that was his way of selling this fight. Now, Connor did a tremendous job. He worked his butt off to sell this thing. And, you know, it, it, it just it shows me that when you have that personality, that larger than life personality, the way he carries himself, the, the way he dresses, uh, the people the people do watch. It's, it's, it's almost like uh, he, he, he it's, it's almost like a celebrity fighting in, in a sense to, to, to the casual fans. But the other thing that this tells me is it just shows me how, how still of a, maybe a niche sport that the UFC is. And, uh, the thought of the UFC champion boxing was, uh, was bigger than actually the folks who know the UFC and were telling everybody what was going to happen. Like there were still more fans in the casual fan base outnumbering the UFC fan base. And thus that was what carried this. And I think in 20 years from now, if the UFC is still on that same trajectory that they are today, where they, they, their fan base grows more and more and more, I don't think you can sell this fight the way that they did, kind of like what you said earlier, like it was the biggest like carny fight in, in, in a long time because the fan base, if it grows, should just become a little bit smarter and a little bit smarter and a little bit smarter. And so this was kind of like the perfect time and place for it. But let's say in 20 years, you know, the top boxer and the top UFC guy, if they go into the ring in a boxing match, I think the fans will be able to see through it a little bit more. And so thus, maybe the next time they got to, you know, figure out how to, how to do more of a mixed rules match. Like I wrote that, I was like, you know, if Connor could just throw one kick around, just the, the thought of him being able to kick would throw Mayweather's defense so out of whack that it, it would be almost, in, you know, not an even fight, but it would almost be an even fight by then. Um, but, you know, in the boxing ring, you know, we, the people who, who paid attention uh, knew, what, knew what, what to expect. But it was just the casual fan base who don't know the UFC enough um, who, who, were, who were sort of bought in because, oh, the idea that this younger guy, younger, strong, I heard that a lot, younger, stronger guy. And I was like, OK, but what about the actual strategy and the tacticianness of it all like you know anybody can can land a lucky punch but it's it's about you know not not allowing those things to happen which is what which is where mayweather is and so yeah that that's sort of my take on it and you know do you do you do you feel similarly about that or did you think um you know or do you think there was something else that was kind of the the thing that took it over the top for me I think the amazing thing about this fight is it played out pretty much exactly as everybody thought it would. And and somehow 
everybody still got what they were looking for for it. And I think that's because there's different ways of reading it. Because, you know, if you were if you were a McGregor fan and you came in looking for, you know, a moral victory, I think you probably got that. You know, you look at it as he survived a few rounds, he didn't embarrass himself and you know he performed as well as he could have um if you were a boxing fan and you were looking for mayweather to show that you know connor didn't belong in the ring with him i think you also got that too uh like we said beforehand that you know the new stories for this fight would almost certainly be ne- negative today i don't think they have been um this is the like the best result they could have possibly got was you know Connor losing in a spirited and dramatic effort, and that's really what what we did see. Rather than you know, this you know going de- going the distance or something like that, and Floyd just you know eking out a decision or or um, you know sh- shutting him out on the, on the cards. I think people wanted to, to see like a, a decisive winner in this one, and I think that that that's a, a large part of what played into its success. Like, you know, obviously Connor couldn't compete and, uh, you know, he didn't, but he put up the best effort that could be expected. I think that's what you said in your wrap up of this is, you know, Connor did as good a job as somebody in his position possibly could have. Um, you know, he was never in the fight. When you look at it in the cold light of day, this fight was over after the third round and Floyd hadn't started punching yet. <laughs> You know, he won this one on on purely on Ringcraft. You know, he let McGregor uh, sp- spend himself out in those first three rounds. Uh, he didn't throw any punches. And then when he it came time to, you know, crank up the pressure, you could see that, you know, it was only a matter, t- matter, matter of time. What did you think of the judges? Two of them actually gave Mayweather the second and third round for exactly what you said, which is just like a strategy. But they couldn't have seen that from that point on I, the, the, those those cards were weird to me because Floyd punched like maybe five times the the entire round yeah i i, I would be of the opinion like connor won the first three rounds and then floyd sweeped it after that um you know it's one of those situations where connor won those rounds because you know obviously of course you know when you look at the wider picture he was allowed to win them um you know you i think people like dana white have really done him no favors and they're coming off looking a little bit silly kind of talking up how in the fight connor was um because he really never was you know we we, we went into this w- w- with the idea of the puncher's chance yeah um we never saw that punch that never that punch never came um the guy who was actually the puncher in the ring was was Floyd Mayweather. Uh, he was the one who was doing damage. You know, if they say whatever Connor landed 111 shots or whatever. Look at Floyd in the post fight. He doesn't yeah. have a scratch on him. He's not breathing heavily. You know, this was just a, cal- a calculated move, and it was what it was. You know, McGregor gave a great account of himself for what he what he was. You know, this is an, a novice pro. He's, he's having his first professional fight. You couldn't really expect him to compete with Mayweather, but you know, he, 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 like he gave as good as an effort as 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 you could possibly look for for, for McGuire in his position. I, I looked back at two specific Mayweather fights when I was thinking about how this thing could play out, 
And the two fights um, that I was reminded of, and uh, you know, we we could throw the Pacquiao fight in there, but it, it was it was pretty clear that Pacquiao, two things had happened to Pacquiao in between uh, his his fights prior and that one, which is one, he had the injury in the shoulder, but two, his athleticism was just shot in comparison. I, and I think that became clear in that Mayweather fight. And then since then, like Manny's just not the same athlete that he was prior. And that's obviously because he got a little older um, and, that, and that's sort of natural. But the two, the two fights that I thought that were, that, that would have sort of, if you look back at Mayweather's career, gave us a good template of what was going to happen. The first one was uh, Robert Guerrero because I remember talking to you about the Guerrero fight, uh, you know, previous, I think we, we probably did a preview on this very podcast. And the idea was that, you know, Guerrero's just tough as all hell. He's active. He's going to throw punches. He's, he's, he's going to try not to let Floyd dictate. Um, and then, you know, I think Floyd, Floyd may have even waited less than, you know, Floyd waited like one round and then decided like, okay, I got this guy figured out and I'm going to sweep the rest of the cards. But the second fight was the Canelo fight because I remember watching that fight and thinking like, oh, Mayweather is watching this guy in the, in the fight, as the fight's going on, breaking him down mentally and then using all of the learnings from the first two or three rounds, and then he's going to decide to to to, uh, to to take it to to Canelo. Now Canelo, you know, he, he he's a much better boxer than Conor McGregor will ever be. So he he you know he he was it was more or less a points battle in, in that fight. Whereas this one was you know Mayweather was able to to he knew that Conor was never going to hurt him, so he was able to walk him down a little bit more. But if you just look at those two fights uh, and just look at how Mayweather, he just in, in, cause he even says himself, and I don't know if this is true or not, but he says that he doesn't really watch tape of guys. He likes to see them in person, in actual real time, and then break them down, uh, as you know, after the first couple of rounds, like after that, after, after thinking about those two fights, I was able to kind of figure out what I thought he would do. Now, uh, when I wrote my preview on, uh, on Friday, I think I said something to the effect of, I think Mayweather will take uh, three or four rounds to figure this thing out and let Connor get tired. And I, you know, I mentioned that I thought Connor would get Connor would get tired because he's so much more muscular because of the MMA game than he would necessarily be if he was a full time boxer. He would probably lose a little bit of that muscle mass especially his legs because his legs are, are huge for, for, uh, for a guy of his size. And he would, you know, and, and I thought they would cause him to, to get tired right around the time. I, I think I said between rounds four and eight, Mayweather would break him down. And it was between rounds four and 10, but that was sort of my men of my mentality. Um, when you, when you look at this fight, did you see anything from, from previous Mayweather fights or, or that maybe you even thought about how, before the fight started that led you to sort of figure this out? Cause I, like you said, a lot of us had this thing figured out, but what was it about, about it that, that, that made you feel like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I guess one of the other fights I would go back to a little bit, and this one, it didn't play out in the same way would be the Ricky Hatton fight, which was the last fight, you know, you can give Floyd as a legitimate knockout. That was 10 years ago. You know, he had to, Victor Ortiz knockout, if you count that, but, you know, Victor 
Victor was, had his hands down, had had his hands down and was looking at the referee at the time. <laughs> so I don't, it, it, it don't know. But the, you know, in that Hatton fight, I just remember kind of the same thing. Or as Hatton tried put it on him early, he tried make things tough, tried make things awkward. But he was put, exerting a huge amount of energy and he just slowly became undone and Mayweather was able to find those shots. The difference from this fight to other fights, I suppose, was that Mayweather was very different in how he fought it. He was, you know, a lot more aggressive than normally. He obviously, you know, had very little fear of what what McGregor was was throwing back his way. He was walking him down and he was he was looking for a finish, which you don't normally see, you know. And Floyd has changed his style over recent years. We saw it a lot in the uh, the Cotto fight and the Maidana fight. He didn't move the way he did, he has when he's younger, and he got he got in a, like scraps with those two guys more than you would expect. So you know there has been s- some changes. But I looked at Floyd in this fight, and I thought you know he was showing signs, even though he was always in control and tactically he was superb. You know I didn't think the speed was there or the reflexes were quite what they used to be. Um, you know, and it's, you can only take so much from this because he fought it because of who was in front of him. If he was fighting, you know, a top guy at the moment, a top contender, I think he would have probably approached it a lot differently. So you can only read so much into it. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, as we're closing out the final chapter of Floyd's career, I don't think we're going to see him again. But I wanted to see... Where you thought he was at at this point in his career, and you know if he would still compete at at, at the highest level. Well, he said after the fight that he didn't spar for about a month, um, and he didn't exactly say why, but he alluded to his hands. He wanted his hands to be uh, completely healthy by the by the time of the fight, um, and so you know I don't think he would have done that. He probably would have postponed or tried to push back the fight if he, if he really felt like he, he couldn't spar for the last month or so. Um, I, I think we got a Floyd Mayweather who uh, knew what he was in against, who knew exactly what he needed to do to win, how much he needed to prepare, and, uh, and, and did exactly, exactly that. Like, like I, I just think he knew... He knew that McGregor was uh, essentially a, a, a novice boxer. Novice is not the right word because you put McGregor in with uh, a true novice and he, he's going to kill them. But um, just in comparison, and, and when you when you have that, you know, the just the belief in in, in your knowledge and in your skill that uh, that Floyd does, like you know, he he could do that. Now, if he was facing like Keith Thurman. Um, I think his preparation would have been completely different. I think his uh, his strategy would have been completely different. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm going out on any sort of limb here, but I think if it was that Floyd Mayweather against a Keith Thurman, we're probably looking at um, a fight that's going to the end of the fight and possibly uh, leaning towards Keith Thurman. So... That, I mean, that's the only thing that I can sort of compare it against. Um, I don't think Floyd would have ever fought Keith Thurman ever, so we wouldn't really have to worry about it. But if you're just comparing it to a top guy in his in his class um, today versus you know that Floyd that we saw last night, 
yeah, I think he would have. I think he would have struggled against the tip, tip top guys, but I think he would have probably cruised similarly against you know just about anybody else. I guess you know that leads on to what I was planning to ask you next, which is like we. I think we're both on the same page in that you know Floyd's got his fifty and oh now he's never going to fight again unless it's probably something like this fight where it's another easy payday for him. But if you had one fight left for Floyd Mayweather, you, you know, he said, you know, next May, give me the best you got. Who would you take for that fight? Okay, say, say that again. Who, who, who is the, uh, who, who are we putting him against? It's the, it's the, the best guy. Like, okay. it's your choice. You, you know, you, you want to see Floyd Mayweather te- tested one last time. You know, he, go, he goes in, he takes on the best in boxing one more time. You know, one more big challenge. Who's the guy you choose for that? Who would be the guy you would choose for that? And this is purely hypothetical because I don't think Floyd's going back into serious fights again. No, not at all. Like, I, I think what I would try to do is I would try to see if, uh, if, if Triple G would drop a little bit of weight. I don't think Mayweather would want Triple G at all, but that's the, that, that's, I would, I would, you know, let's say we, we, can Triple G get to, I don't know, 157 or something. I, I, I've, I have no idea if he could even, uh, that, cause that's a lot of weight for him to drop. But, um, but I think that would be super interesting. And the Mayweather that, that, that I think we can sort of envision in a year, I probably, I, I don't think he would beat Triple G, but if you if we use my um, you know my earlier example, which is a welterweight, someone like Keith Thurman, who is at his athletic peak, um, and this is not to say that Keith Thurman is a world beater because he hasn't he hasn't decisively you know destroyed the 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 welterweight class like I think maybe a lot of people were hoping for, and so if you put Keith Thurman in next year with Floyd, I think we have a really close fight. I think Floyd probably still ekes it out, but it's uh, it's one in which you know Thurman probably can make a name. Uh, but again, I just I just don't see Floyd wanting to risk anything. Like if if anything, you know, if Manny knocks out uh, Horn and, and then maybe has another fight, I, that's the fight that I would see would happen again. And the the whole idea behind that fight would be Floyd saying. Just like Conor McGregor, I'm going to knock Pacquiao out, and and that's going to be my strategy, and that that would have to be the way to sell that fight. So yeah, I mean, against really good guys, I think Floyd struggles. He probably beats Thurman. He loses to anybody bigger like Golovkin. I I still think he could beat Canelo though, but I think that's just because Canelo. I think Canelo just uh, his style is probably perfect for for Mayweather to to, to beat. But uh, what do you think? I I, I had put. I had put down a list of three people I thought of earlier and you know one of them would have been the Triple G Canelo winner the other one would have been Keith Thurman as you said and the final one would have been Terence Crawford oh, moving up I, the yeah. welter yeah that, that's another good one That that's actually that's a great one that's probably the best one um, I guess though what this tells like what this whole thing this whole you know build up and fight told you is just and we talked about this as soon as the fight was announced that Floyd is once again the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, there was like in in three different ways, you know, tactically, he got this fight spot on. He was superb. You know, we've always talked about Floyd fighting the fight that, you know, gives his opponent the least chance of winning. 
And I think that's what he did, did in this one. Uh, he pretty much took all Connor's tools away from him and just broke him down. Um, in terms of promotion, he's going to do probably the biggest or second biggest fight of his entire life on a complete mismatch. And we were in a position where, you know, Floyd needed to get over that 50 mark. And it was going to be hard for him to get a marketable opponent because I think we saw with the Berto fight, you know, in a post Mayweather Pacquiao world, people weren't willing to buy just Mayweather against a guy. You know, that wasn't in a million buy fight anymore. He needed to either a take a really big challenge, you know, something that would, you know, people would generally fear that he could lose. Like maybe if they had done, if he had moved up to say super middle and tried fight Andre Ward or something like that. <laughs> I think, you know, that probably would have, dr- would have drawn. Yeah. Or he needed, he needed some kind of gimmick to sell it. And, you know, he found the gimmick in Conor McGregor and he sold it. And then the final thing is in the post fight, uh, he finished off his career with the big KO. You know, he probably wouldn't have get, got that against the top flight boxer. You know, it put the cherry on the top of uh, you know his his long successful career and you know we saw the gracious and victory Mayweather and, you know he was talking about how he 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 put on the great show for the fans you know and he was charming and he, he I think he won a lot of people over you know it, it, it's like a positive note to go out on as opposed to kind of some of the press he would have got over his last few fights like particularly the Pacquiao fight where people were not happy with the performance he turned in you know this one kind of gave him like oh well I did this great show for the fans and you know I, i'm putting everybody over and giving connor respect and um, you know I, 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 he came across as you know the, the charming floyd mayweather we've seen on occasion and i think that was the way to leave a little bit of a gloss on the end of his career and in the post-fight press conference he uh, he talked about what, what his future was and his his goal is to find the next version of himself or the next big fighter. So, you know, I, I don't know how much uh, Mayweather promotions really exists without Floyd, but he wants to find guys and train guys and build them up and teach them everything and and, and help them, you know, become like he, he mentioned uh, in, in the build up to this fight. He mentioned Javante uh, Davis, how, you know, he he said he is very close to being a million dollar fighter. He called him, actually he called him a seven figure fighter, and um, I don't know if that I, I don't think <laughs> his his performance really helps that for, from uh, from from the undercard. But like that's his goal, and if that truly is his goal, and and that's his like next challenge, I mean what a, what a great what a great thing. But the the thing that I always remember is when. Um, I, I don't know how much you would even remember this, but uh, Irvin Magic Johnson retires uh, from the NBA and he goes into coaching. And so he goes and coaches the Lakers and he's so frustrated. And the reason why he's so frustrated is because he just doesn't understand how the guys on his team can't do the things that he's telling them because to him, those certain things came very easy and so his frustration was basically because the guys he wasn't the guys he was coaching wasn't they weren't as talented and as just you know as brilliant as he was so that was frustrating him because he couldn't actually teach those guys those things. So I, I do wonder if this is something that Mayweather wants to focus on 
Um, or if he's looking at it more from a business sense of like, maybe I will partner with, you know, w- with somebody, um, you know, to, to, to do, to do this. And so the, thus I don't have to be like the talent person or whatever, because if, I, I feel like the more, um, competitiveness in, 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 in getting guys, and we'll talk about this in a second when we discuss top rank, I think it's going to be good. Like it, I think it's sort of bad for the sport when Oscar and Bob have like all of the best guys, because then those guys can't fight each other. And, and so we have these weird, you know, these weird matchups that, you know, that ultimately can't happen that, that we'd want to see. So, you know, if he, if he is really, truly honest about doing that, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. I just hope he, uh, he finds someone to work with, you know, maybe Oscar's old buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people kind of look at Mayweather's promotions as a bit of a vanity project, but I, there is some substance to it. And I think we saw that on this undercard. You know, there was some good good fight, fights and good f- fighters uh, showcased there. You mentioned Gervonta Davis. You know, I... I had he kind of reminds me as an another of another uh, Mayweather protege that uh, we're all very familiar with, and that <laughs> the Ad- Adrian Broner. Uh, in that you know, Javante Davis for a long time, I don't think people really believed that he was the goods, and then when he starts showing that he perhaps is, he starts making all these mistakes at the same time. You know, he lost his he lost his belts on the scale this week. You know, um. After you know some really good performances to get get those titles, he gives them up by not making weight, and then you know that was kind of a weird fight with Francisco uh, Fonseca, uh, just for a number of reasons. But you know he really didn't look that great in in it overall, and you know he's in a division, you know he a lightweight, and you know if he's moving up now after missing weight in junior junior welterweight, where there's there is good fights out there for him. You like you know there's Terence Crawford, there's Mikey Garcia. Yeah, there's um, you know Luke Campbell at lightweight. There's Jorge Linares. There's some really good fights out there for him. But you know he shouldn't be making these t- these type of mistakes at, at at this stage in the career, especially on a on a stage like this. I wanted to get your thoughts on um on him and you know th- th- that that fight. Uh, I I I thought that uh, Fonseca was was um maybe. Uh, almost like not even really impressed with, with Davis. Like he was just like, eh, I'm not really impressed with, with what you're doing. I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. And, and, and that seemed to frustrate Davis a bit. Now at the end of the fight, I do think that he did catch Fonseca with a body shot, which caused Fonseca to kind of try to hold on. And then he got hit on the, the, the top of the, the top of the neck, which, um, he may have even been hoping that would have been ruled an illegal punch. And so when he went down to the knees, maybe that was just sort of more of an excuse to go to the knees from the body shot. Um, and But then, you know, when he was holding on to him, uh, Davis did look to like, I, I guess, push him in, in pretty much the same area. So uh, the, the, that, you know, that, that was a little bit of a weird ending. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't know if they're going to fight again or not, but... Uh, I, I was I, I was looking for Davis to show like that that next level, and maybe Fonseca is just a bad matchup for him. But I didn't get it, and thus I think you know it, it was his it was his stage to shine on, and I, I felt like it was just a little bit of a disappointing performance. Um, a guy who I 
do think took that next step and really showed himself in a good light was uh, Baddy Jack. You know, he stopped Nathan cleverly in five rounds. Cleverly, obviously, you know, a veteran of the British scene. He he really had a good run as, as early in his career, uh, picking up a light heavyweight title before he ran into Kovalev. And, you know, he's never really been the same after that. He did well to kind of get back a title against Jurgen Bremer a few months back. But I think, you know, Bramer was getting long in the tooth and that fight might have been a bit of a mirage. He came in here against, you know, Jack as kind of a last hurrah, you know, one last uh, 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 big fight. And, you know, Nathan actually announced retirement after the fight. But I thought Jack, you know, who's a guy who's blown hot and cold over the years, I thought he's he's really turned a corner over the last while. I thought he looked really, really good in this fight. You know, in that light heavyweight division, there's good options out there. You have, you know, Stevenson and Ward and Kovalev and Perturbiev, and you have all these guys that he can be matched up with now up in that weight class. So I wanted to also see uh, your opinion on that. You know, I thought maybe... Maybe Jack is a potential opponent for Andre Ward. You know, you'd have have that the idea of having Mayweather promoting and you know, uh, with Ward in the opposite corner, this big personalities there. Uh, it could be something to to build towards maybe a, a year down the line. So you're telling me that the fight that was promoted in Creed is not going to happen? <laughs> I, I, do you actually? I will answer your question, but do you think that that match could actually happen? Um, I think, I think it's in play at the moment, actually. And if if um, if people don't know what I'm talking about, uh, in 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 Creed, uh, the, the the fight that that um, that uh, Michael B. Jordan's character has to. Uh, the, the fight that he actually comes in and, and, and is the um, – it, it's actually Andre Ward against Tony Bellew. And so Tony Bellew plays the heel in that, in that movie and uh, pretty Ricky Conlon. And so Ward gets hurt and then Adonis Creed steps in and fights Tony, Tony Bellew's character in, in the main event. But the, the actual Andre Ward versus Tony Bellew fight is kind of on the table. Um, I, I, though, you know, you can't put Ward back on pay-per-view after those two terrible, uh, two terrible draws with, with, with Sergey. So that'll be interesting. Okay. So back to, back to Jack. Um, I, I was very impressed with him, but you know, you've seen cleverly, uh, far more than I have. I thought near the end of that fight, um, I mean, all the bobbing and weaving against the ropes and not throwing any punches back, like he must've either been really hurt or, uh, like, I, I just didn't understand the strategy that late because, I mean, the reason the fight stopped is, is, is more so because he just wasn't really defending himself by throwing punches. Um, and, 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 you know, rather, and he did, you know, he, he did take a little bit of a beating, but I just thought it was weird. I mean, maybe that was his own way of trying to get out of there. But what did you think about the way that that thing ended? Yeah, I think he was just breaking down. I think you, I think you got it right. You know, as I said, like you know he retired immediately after the fight and you know he hasn't re- since he lost uh to Kovalev he really hasn't looked the same fighter he he did get, he did ha- like he looked to have turned back the clock a little bit in that last fight when he when he beat Jurgen Bremer but as I said I think Bremer was gone and you know that was probably a little bit of a mirage he came into this one probably looking for you know, to te- test himself one more time on a big card and, you know, see what he had left. And I think he probably just found that it, w- it wasn't there anymore. Um, yeah. th- there's, Go ahead. 
No, I was, I was, I was going to agree with you because, and, and so that was sort of more of my point, which is, you know, I think a lot of people thought Jack looked great, and I thought, I thought he did as well, but I, I just wonder how much of it was uh, cleverly just not looking that great. Yeah, um, there's one other person I just wanted to make mention of that was on this undercard, and she wasn't actually televised, but that's Savannah Marshall actually uh, turned over into the pro ranks um, on this card. She won a decision. Um, Now, Savannah is a person who's won gold, silver, and bronze medals in women's amateur boxing championships. Um, There's probably not that many people who've done that. And she's also the last person to beat Clarissa Shields. She beat Clarissa just in the World Championships in uh, 2012, just before, like, you know, that was two or three months before Clarissa won won her first gold in the London Olympics. So, you know, she's also now signed with Mayweather Promotions. And, you know, that could be a big fight for them to to build towards uh, in uh, you know, it's probably, you know, two years down the line before Savannah and Clarissa are ready for that fight. And I think, you know, you need to build both of them. But, you know, it's that's another one that uh, that Mayweather has, uh, that would have Mayweather would have a say in. And, you know, he could start uh, building a stable around. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and unfortunately for the women's game, because there are so, so fewer stars, you kind of have to push the uh the these kind of fights together a little bit more quickly and they'll eventually fight each other more quickly than you know than other guys in boxing just because there's not as there's not as many fighters but yeah that's an interesting name um to to be aware of and i kind of i i like the i like the fact that it seems like and, and you know this is no shade on christy martin or lila ali or holly holm or any of them but it seems like they're doing a better job at finding these women and uh, marketing them a little bit more correctly. And maybe some of it has to do with just it's more accepted these days. It's more accepted thanks to, you know, Ronda Rousey or Gina Carano or Cyborg about about the fact that these women are, are very, very talented. And there's not that that skepticism around women fights about, oh, they're not they're not that tough. You know, you know, you always see random guys. You see this a lot in women's basketball where random players will go, oh, you know, I could beat this girl. It's like, no, you really can't because she plays, you know, every day, all day and practices and you're just a guy who shows up at the playground. I do think that there's something to that with women's boxing too, which is these women aren't that tough. You know, I I, I could, if I was in, in, a, in a fight with gloves and headgear, I could beat them. And it's like, no, these women are actually very, very skilled. Yeah, and I think, you know, since women's boxing moved into Olympics, it's been a real big difference maker. You know, I think the standard at uh, amateur level is very strong and you're starting to see that now trickle through into the pro ranks. I think, you know, probably by the time the next Olympics rolls around and that class starts coming through, you're going to see some really, really good good fights being being made in uh, the women's division. But before we leave this card and event alone... um, I guess we need to talk about Conor McGregor and where he goes from here. And I guess the first thing to ask is, does he learn anything from this experience that he can bring back with him to MMA? Do you think this fight made Conor in any way better? I don't think it's going to really correlate. It may even hurt his stand-up a little bit because he may he may have 
learn some habits in, in training boxing that maybe don't correlate perfectly to his his his, his MMA game and his MMA striking is is, is very clever, right? Like he he ha- he he has a lot of different movements and and he's unpredictable and shots come out of all these different angles and he had to be a lot more conventional just to box. So I I don't think the boxing um, necessarily will will help him in his striking because I think his striking is already a plus. The thing that I, I I do think that and this may not be good for the UFC, but much like Brock Lesnar always uses the UFC as a uh, as a negotiating tactic when, whenever his contract comes up in WWE. It's always like oh I can go to UFC and I can make more money in, in, in two fights than I could in, in, in my three-year contract in WWE. I do wonder if when it comes down to the, uh, to the business of, let's say, <clears throat> only because he mentioned it, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor part three, you know, when it comes to the negotiation of it, if let's say he makes a uh, uh, $100 million in this fight, does he want to go back and make a five million guarantee plus pay per view buys and maybe his contract gets over ten million. Is that enough for him, or does he continuously use the boxing and a fight with Pauli Malignaggi as a negotiating tactic with the UFC to go, hey, you know, you're just going to have to pay me more because I know this is what I can get for a fight against someone. Uh, uh, of, of lesser stature in boxing, you know, that that's what I think is going to be the, the thing that he learns. And it's also the fear of, of, for the UFC is the more that they pay this guy, the less their margins are in profit on making a, um, you know, on, on making a, a, an event as, as big as they can. So, uh, you, he, he may learn more business savvy than he would actually in, in, in you know, in, in boxing, uh, in boxing stand-up fighting to, to bring back to the UFC. I guess, you know, Connor said to Jim Gray in the post-fight, you know, that he was definitely going back to UFC and, you know, he would fight again. And they've been talking about December. I was thinking about that. And, you know, you have to get the wheels in motion very fast if that's what you want to do. Um, he's going to have a med- He got knocked out here. So he's going to have a medical suspension for at least a few weeks. As soon as he comes off that, if you want him fighting at the end of the year, you need to sign that, that fight pretty much as soon as he's off medical suspension. Would you, would you, uh, would you agree on that? Um, you know, it's pretty tight tur- turnaround time. Yeah. And, and because of that, you know, it might even be, it might even be a better idea to, to push it a little bit, uh, you know, February or March or something. But yeah, like that, like I, I imagine, you know, Dana White probably couldn't wait for this thing to be over because then he could plan, you know, maybe the next six months to a year of UFC business. But he couldn't do that until until this fight was over. Um, and, and uh, you know, if you want to uh, build off of this newfound uh, celebrity for, for Conor McGregor, you should actually work quickly. Not saying that you have to book the fight in three months. But you should start announcing it and you should start bringing it to people's attention to say, oh, so this guy that I saw that just stood toe-to-toe with Floyd Mayweather, he's actually going to fight it in his own sport. I really want to see that. Yeah, and um, I guess the other thing is, you know, 
you mentioned about maybe he'd learned something from Mayweather from the business aspect. You know, it could be a case where Connor says he wants to fight now, but when the time to sign the contract comes up, maybe he's not as keen. You know, he's made enough money at this point where he doesn't really have to fight anymore. And I don't know, he may have just learned something from Mayweather about choosing the right opponents. You might see a case where Connor isn't that eager to sign a contract to fight, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov or <laughs> Tony Ferguson or, you know, these fights that are difficult. Maybe he would say, like, get me the Nate Diaz rematch. Um, or, you know, he'll look more for kind of big celeb type matchups. Maybe he'd say, get me George St. Pierre, something like that. You know, yeah, something that, agreed. That, 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 that there'll be a lot of money in. Um, and, you know, if, if you're talking about picking the right matchup, I would say Nate Diaz is probably the right matchup right now because I think that would be one to ease Connor back in. I saw Nate at this fight. He didn't look in it, in any type of shape to, to, to fight. Um, I don't think he has his mind really on fighting. I think, you know, if he does come back, it will be for something like a big payday against Connor. And it's probably something, you know, Connor could look, Connor could look really good in and win that series outright uh, by t- t- taking the rubber match and winning it in a much more decisive fashion than uh, he won first time. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree. So my kid, um, you know, he was thinking about what's the next fights that he wants to see. And he said McGregor and GSP. So I think you're, I think you're right in that, um, you know, you, if, if you think back to the Eddie Alvarez fight um, from November, that was more of a number one contender fight um, than it was a true grudge match super fight. And that card was excellent. And it still did less than, um, than, 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 than the McGregor and Diaz fight, the second one. So that, that, that's going to be a part of this, which is Connor wants to um, make the fight that makes the most sense from a business standpoint, rather than from a, fake ranking standpoint. So you're, and and how is Dana White um, and and Sean Shelby going to deal with that? Because you're going to have guys like Nurmagomedov and and Ferguson and now uh, Lee. And those guys are like chomping at the bit because they want the same opportunities. But you have a guy who's going to basically be holding all of these different weight classes um, ransom because he's, he's kind of like the shot caller. So it, it you know, that I, I, I can't imagine that Dana White who built his entire way of doing business under the, under the idea that, you know, the UFC is bigger than, than, than any single fighter. Well, that may not be the case anymore. Um, and he, and Connor isn't as much of a gamer and gamer might be the, the, the wrong word, but Rhonda seemed like a gamer. Like she was up for whatever, uh, Dana wanted what if as long as it, the business was right. Whereas Connor's more, you know, he he's going to look out for himself first and foremost. Which when you can negotiate that way, you know, you're you you, you can do so. Um, you know, I always hear this, which is you're you're not you're not you don't you don't ever get what you're worth. You only get what you have the um, the ability to negotiate. And I think I think in this sense for Connor. He's the one holding the cards now. Maybe only Floyd Mayweather holds more cards than Connor today in, in the combat sports uh, arena. And and you know who who would have said that 
two years ago. No, absolutely. And um, I think you're right as well in that, like, I would have some of the same concerns as you, you mentioned with Connor moving back over to MMA. You know, generally when somebody, there's no science behind this, but generally when you see a guy step away from his sport and try something else for a little while, they don't come back the same fighter. And I would have my concerns about how Connor comes back if he is put straight back into those uh, top flight matches with, you know, the you know number one or number two in the division. I think, you know, he's going to have a hard, he, he may have a hard time, but, you know, especially when he's got the kind of money in the bank that he has now where, you know, maybe the hunger isn't there as much as, as it has been in the past. And, you know, if he does come back and he beats those top guys, absolutely. That is a huge testament to his, to his drive. And, you know, it's huge, huge for his legacy as well. I would, I would say if, you know, if he, if he can come back and take those, uh, those uh, top level fights and win and still win them. All right. So let's quickly move on to uh, the other big fight, that is coming up and from a from an actual ring standpoint this is the biggest fight of uh of the year and maybe of uh, the last few years which is canelo against triple g oscar de la hoya uh is very angry <laughs> he uh he was tweeting that you know f mayweather versus mcgregor um i don't know if you've seen these ads in facebook but hbo is uh, is pushing that you know this is the real fight that that you're going to want to see you know they have to be frustrated they picked that 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 september date uh thinking that you know this is the date that mcgregor and mayweather also want but let's get it first and then when they went three weeks ahead of them basically saying well we don't care what the date is we're, we're just we're you know we're the ones that's gonna it's gonna gonna pick our our, our battle here and, and make sure that that you know we go first like for Oscar, you have to be super frustrated because he thought he had the biggest fight, was unsure that the other fight was going to happen, and then they beat him to the date, and now his 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 uh, pay per view and, and and everything is affected because of it. You know what would once have been possibly a you know between one point five and two million uh, by fight is probably hurt by the fact that people everyone just paid a hundred hundred bucks to uh, for this one, and some of them had so much struggles with the pay-per-view and, and, and ordering it, maybe they maybe that they don't want to do that for this next fight. So I completely understand why Oscar is upset. And it's unfortunate for these guys because they do truly have the top fight this year. Yeah, no, this is this is the best fight that could be made right now, and I ho- I really do hope that uh, it's it's not hurt hurt uh, majorly, but by, uh, by that fight, you know, we spoke at the top of the show. It kind of brings things full circle about what what people are draw- drawn to. Or, you know, how how often does it, it being number one versus number two really count when um. You, you, you know, when even though that's what people say, what they want. Um, in this case, this is one of the fights where I think everybody did want to see the number one versus number two. They got they, they you know this is the fight everybody everybody had been asking for, and they got it. You know, um, so I like I hope it, it I hope it does it does the business it does, it deserves to do. This is you know huge for both guys. It's um, 
you know, it, it, for Golovkin, he, he he's he's someone who's been so good for for so long now, and he hasn't had that opportunity to break through into the mainstream. And you know, he's got the right opponent to try to do it now in Canelo. And for Canelo, it's his second chance to put thing put things right. You know, he had his. His, his, his opportunity to have the big breakout fight with Floyd Mayweather, and you know he he came up short in that. You know this is this is his second chance. You know a win against Golovkin, I think, would be every bit uh, the redemption he his career needed. Yeah. The do you have a uh, who are you leaning for or leaning toward right now? Not not from like a strictly a fan a fan perspective, but like if you were to if you if you were to figure out who or, or do all your analysis and research and go, okay, I think this person's going to win. Are, are you leaning towards one person now? Or are you still waiting to make that decision? At the moment I feel, and this is just based on their last couple of outings. I think Canelo is, you know, the, the, the fighter on the rise. I think he's still getting better. I think maybe Golovkin has, has peaked and is starting to slip you know, Golovkin was at such a high level that, you know, it's it's where they, I suppose it's where they meet. You know, he was like, he had a run there for, you know, two to three years where he just looked like he was in a different league to everybody else on the planet. Um, but, you know, time evens things out. Uh, Canelo's still a very young man and he's still getting getting a lot better. I think the Canelo right now is a much better fighter than the one that fought Floyd Mayweather. And uh, I think, I think he, may, he, may, he may just be uh, too young and too strong for Triple G at this point. It's funny that you say, um, you say Canelo too because the consensus that I get and this is probably because HBO has done a fantastic job with Golovkin, is that Triple G is just too strong and is going to knock this guy out. And I look at it much more similarly to you, which is that Canelo is actually the one who's getting better. And he's learned a lot of lessons, one, in, in, in kind of getting, uh, you know, in... in, in getting the fight game put on him uh, by Mayweather as a sort of an, a lead into what we're going to talk about soon. But um, like, like I just feel like he is the guy who's going to take it to the next level. And Golovkin, while it's almost, it's almost like it's so unfortunate for, for Gennady, right? Because he is a little bit older and, and it's almost like if his career had uh had started a little bit a little bit in a better way in the US you know even 5 years ago then he would be so much of a bigger star but um i think if you ask people they they probably think he's a young guy and he's really not a young guy but uh, i'm leaning towards canelo but you know what i think we may get three fights out of these guys like like if the fight goes the way that i think which is super competitive and um just exciting and these guys just thumping each other you know we could get more than one fight so even if i lean towards canelo here it may not you know it may not mean that that uh, it's as decisive and, and and that and that we could get another couple fights no we 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 very realistically could you know this should be a really really great fight not just a great matchup because you know, both of them are known for having good fights. They're always in action fights. They can't really remember that many bad fights either man has had, and their styles should uh, gel perfectly. And I guess, you know, there's an additional carrot that's been dangled now as of yesterday, which is 
Mikel Cotto is looking for a dance partner for 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 his last bout, you know, he said he's he he's got one more fight in him, and he wants the winner of this one. So, you know, we we may see whoever wins this fight against Kodo, and then the two come back and rematch after that after that as well. So we could have a nice little series of fights built up over over the next the next the next you know eighteen months. So uh, that I mean, Kodo, we've we've seen him uh, against um, against Canelo, and and that was a good fight. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think he's pro- he's probably more towards the end though. He has seemed to be able to reinvent himself like two or three times now, which is actually amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's for him to get in that mix. It, he he does still pack a name, and it would be good for um, you know it, it it could be it could be a good sort of especially if they're going to fight three times. Um, Kodo being in that mix is, is actually a way to get more fights and extend, you know, over the next couple of years. And so I, th- I think it's totally smart on Kodo's, on Kodo's end there. Um, one, as we near the end of this, there, there's two more things I want to talk to you about. And ESPN signed a deal with top rank, uh, and, and they're now back in the fight game. When I was growing up, ESPN was, uh, always showing fights. Uh, that's how I first saw Mike Tyson was on ESPN. Um, I remember uh, Livingstone Bramble against Ray Mancini uh, w- w- was in was on ESPN. Terrence Ali, who was like everyone's favorite ESPN fighter because he was always on, on in, in fights, and and it was really a part of my childhood and a part of what, what how I grew to love boxing. Now um, they never had the tippy top fights. But they always it was a good uh, it was a good place to to showcase guys on, on the up and coming on the up and coming list. Now it looks like they're going to be back in the fight game. Um, I was talking to uh, the great American philosopher Dave Meltzer about this last weekend, and I said, "What do you think's going on here? Like ESPN got the Pacquiao fight, um, you know, and they and they had the they had the Terence Crawford fight. Um, there was another one that they had recently. It was the." Um, uh, who fought recently on ESPN? It was, it, but it was another fight that uh, that, that they had. And Lomachenko, Lom- was Lomachenko, it was Lomachenko. You're right. And so I said, I asked him. I said, "Well, what do you think's going on? Because what it looks like is it, this is sort of in lieu of working with the the the, the big pay companies. There's you know HBO. It, 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 these ESPN fights seem to be in lieu of what would happen on HBO. And he didn't really know." Um, at that point, and then so fast forward one week, and we get the press release that they have signed a deal with Top Rank, which includes uh, f- uh, fights with all of Top Rank's top guys, including uh, the rematch for uh, Pacquiao and Horn, which is going to happen in November. We've, like I said, we've already seen Crawford, who is their up and comer, um, and then Lomachenko, who is the top pound for pound guy you know, in the world today, if you ask a, a lot of folks. And so now they seem to be almost uh, replacing maybe an HBO or a Showtime or a partial schedule for both with with fights from Aram's uh, top class. Like it, it feels like a pretty big deal here. Yeah, Aram wants eyes on his fighters, and you know this is a real game changer. You know they've got sixteen live cards per year. Um, that's that's an awful lot, an awful lot of fights. Um, for, for and you know. As you said, um, ESPN has been in boxing for a long time. You know, historically, they had the Friday Night Fight series that was always put on 
good shows. You know, it was a hardcore boxing fan show. You, you, you didn't necessarily see the top stars, but you saw some good upcoming guy, up and coming guys, and you saw some nice 50-50 matchups. And, you know, it was a great way of building talent for years and years and years. And what we kind of saw happen with that was PBC came in and started doing their time buys. And, you know, Friday Night Fights uh, got, got, got shelved and they started having very, very occasional PBC cards. And, you know, ESPN, like boxing on ESPN really dried up. Now it's back in a, like a really big way with uh, top rank. You know, top rank are probably, probably you know, I would say the, the top US promoter. And, you know, this is a deal that I think has been in the, in, in the works for a little while now. You, you've seen top rank testing the waters with some of those guys, as you mentioned, with Crawford and Pacquiao and Lomachenko. You know, they have the stable to do this. Um, it's almost like, what Matchroom did in the UK, you know, they got exclu- the exclusive rights on Sky. They started putting more and more big fights on, you know, on the, on the Sky channels. Um, and they started building, you know, they had their established stars in the likes of Frotch and uh, Kel Brook and people like that. But then they also started signed coming out of the 2012 Olympics, Anthony Joshua, Luke Campbell, and they started bringing that next generation through. I think that's what Top Rank is trying to do here. You know, they're, um, they, they've got Crawford, they've got Lomachenko, they've got Pacquiao, and then they've got a number of guys who are at title level at the moment, like Oscar Valdez, Gilberto uh, Ramirez, Felix Ferdeo. You know, those guys who are on the fringe that just need to be pushed through. And then they have the next generation that they've been signing. They, they, they absolutely stockpiled guys coming out of the last Olympics. That You know, it was quite clear they got the best talent. And, you know, it was probably with an eye to doing this. They got Michael Conlon. They got Shakur Stevenson, Robeson, Kansik Sow. They picked up, you know, all what, what you would call the top draft pick. So they've been very aggressive in pursuing talent. And, you know... It's, it looks like Bob is very serious about this. He's, he's got, you know, it's a four-year deal. And, you know, they're going to look to br- bring those new fighters through to a new audience. Um, I guess it, it, the interesting part of a caveat to this is, like, where does it leave HBO? HBO have relied a lot on them, top rank for programming for quite a long time. Uh, Showtime still have their dealings with PBC, so I think we really need to we really need to see uh, HBO like you know who've been traditionally the strong network in boxing for the last few years. We need to see them show some resourcefulness and you know dig in deep and start working with some new promoters. And if that happens, you know we and we have you know three three different networks uh, producing high, high high quality boxing. I think that's really really good for the sport. It's a risk for top ranked. Absolutely, they've relied on you know hbo for so long now and it's obviously a big change but you know I, this is what this is the type of move I, i'd like to see it so it's it, it's definitely forward thinking and it's looking to to building next the next generation of stars so do you do you think hbo instead of working primarily with like one or two promotions may just start getting into the business of you know the, the different promotions that are out there especially a lot of there's been a lot of international fights that they seem to have been a little apprehensive to put on, but now, you know, may, maybe you don't have to pay as much for those fights, but, you know, you, you may not get the bang for the buck that you used to, but you can be a little bit more creative 
and figuring out like like if you're HBO like why don't you figure out a way to show every Anthony Joshua fight that you possibly can yeah that, 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 that's the type of thing I, I'd be looking for, for um, from HBO I'd be I, I'd be looking for them to partner with you know the the, the the big broadcasts that come from Europe, uh, that, that, that that come from Canada, that come that come from Germany, where, wherever there's big fights, that I'd be looking to, looking to match up with uh, the promoters, and you know, then maybe you know they still have they still have a relationship with Golden Boy, they can build on that, and you know maybe bring in one or one or two other of the smaller promo promoters in, in, into the mix as well. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I would like to see. Um, so, I mean, someone needs to ask Lampley about this at least, or maybe even Max Kellerman will talk about it on one of his twenty uh, shows that he's on every week. Because um, I want to see. I want. I'm interested in seeing what, what they think because I know we've heard in the past that HBO was uh, leaning against paying for some of these fights because they just didn't think that there was enough interest, even though the boxing hardcores really wanted to see them. So um, they they have. They have been um, such a they've been such a vehicle for the sport of boxing. It feels just weird that they are kind of on the outside looking in here. So I, I agree with you in that. I think they're they're going to have to get creative. They're going to get have to get resourceful, and we'll see what's coming. But uh, it, it's definitely an interesting time. But then again, it's always an interesting time. It, it seems like <clears throat> um, okay. So last thing is uh want to do a little bit of a preview and we'll and we'll be quick here uh we have recorded the uh the next episode to the fabulous four podcast um and that is on the marvin Hagler versus sugar a leonard fight which is where we left off when we had recorded the first six episodes uh we we actually had intended to just go all the way through for all nine fights um, you know, and, and maybe do them monthly or whatever, but you know, life gets in the way, schedules get in the way and it's usually work that, that gets in the way. And, uh, and so we took about a year and a few months off, but we are now back to finish the series. So we're going to start with, uh, Hagler and Leonard. Then it's, uh, then it's Leonard and Hearns part two, and then it's actually Leonard and Duran part three. And in between that, I'm going to bring on Robert Silva to talk about Leonard and Hearns after Duane and I uh, cover that because he he uh, really enjoyed the first fight as well. And it'll be a nice uh, it'll be a nice little um, bonus episode so that he can he can reflect a little bit on that and then talk about the second fight because I know that he has a lot to say about the second fight, which we will allude to when we record that episode. Um, and then I also want to do like an epilogue, which would be, uh, you know, just kind of doing and I just thinking about all the things that we learned and, all, you know, all just covering this era as extensively as we've done and are doing and, and do that. And so we'll have at least four episodes. Um, I know we've talked about, uh, in the past about doing like covering other big fights. Um, like, uh, you know, I'm reading a book now called The Savage Truth about Tyson coming out of jail and, and restarting his career. I don't know if you've ever read that. Have you seen that book before? I've seen it. I've not read it. Um, it's one I'd be interested in reading, though. Yeah, it, it's the way that it's written it, is not necessarily my style because I think the writing is a little over the top and flowery at times. But, um, you know, this is an era that is very interesting to me 
and something that we may, you know, down the line, you know, want to do a podcast about. I also, uh, I feel, you know, the, the, the one era of boxing that I feel is not, not necessarily disrespected, but, um, Larry Holmes uh, heavyweight title run. Just, he's always been in Muhammad Ali's shadow for so long. Like, and you know, he was a really, really good heavyweight. Like he obviously wasn't Ali, but you know, could he, was he as good as a lot of the guys that Ali fought in his day? I think so. I think he would have been, you know, maybe a top five heavyweight of that era. And he, but he always gets really disrespected. Part of it is because of his, uh, his personality. He was a, you know, he, he, he was a little, uh, uh, not necessarily the happiest guy in the world, but you know, so, you got on, you got on quite well with him though. Yeah, no, he was, he's a fun, he was a fun guy to talk to. I, I absolutely like just the, the, it, it, whatever you would have expected out of Larry Holmes, the things that still bother him 30 years later, you know, st- were st- deeply bothered him. So that was great because he's one of my favorite guys. And obviously I grew up watching him. So that's part of it. But, you know, I would love to do stuff around him. So, you know, Fabulous Four, we're going to finish out the series. Um, that's going to be coming up. I will probably post the first, uh, the, the, the Leonard uh, Hagler um, next week. And then Duan and I will get back in the studio, our virtual studio and uh, talk uh, and talk uh, Hearns and Leonard part two, and we'll just finish out the series. But you know, I know I'd been promising this. You know, once we once we got the fight game pod going, which was a, a rebirth of the old fight game, um, the old uh, uh, fight game blog, uh, blog radio show. So I'd been promising it. I just kind of wanted to update people and say that it's coming. We're about to we're about to to bust it out the rest of the episodes, and then we'll sort of figure out if we want to do anything else based off of it because. One of my favorite things, you know, every month is being able to, to talk with Duan about anything. And, and, you know, I think I've told him this on air, but, uh, you know, my dad is not the, the type of person to um, just uh, throw out, you know, oh, you know, nice things about people. But he said when he's like, man, that guy that you talk with, that guy really knows his stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I have him on, because all I do is I sit there and I talk to him and I learn constantly about what's going on. So major props to you from from my dad and and i can't wait to do more stuff with you yeah and then um, you know that series we've done uh, the F- F- fabulous four it's been one of my favorite things we've done on the we- website and you know it'll be nice to just finish things off and we're starting with a really good one you know uh, it's a fight that's been uh debated for 30 years and you know there's a great story to go along with it too we talked about uh, Mayweather coming back after after two, two, two years today you know um, Ray had one fight in five years before uh, he, he went back into the into that into that fight with Marvin and you know that was with the the the, the absolute best middleweight in the world at the time so there's a huge amount of backstory that goes into that, and you know, it, 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 that's just just one part. We still we still have t- two more fights to go after that. Yeah, and um, you know, I guess the the last thing uh, that I want to add is um, doing uh, doing a podcast series like this. It takes a lot of time and a lot of research, and you know, you and I are reading, you know, we're reading like three different books at the same time, just to make sure that we don't miss any details. Um, but it's also a whole lot of fun. And it's part of the reason why I started this website. Like we, I didn't start the website, you know, now we're talking like nine years ago or whatever, but I didn't do it necessarily thinking that podcasting was going to be a thing because I had done it before, but it was really hard back then. And 
it, it, you know, to actually call someone on Skype and, and discuss it was, it was not really a thing back then, but you know, now that it is, but always historically, I had such a, a fascination with, uh, boxing history. And, um, there, the, I alluded to this when I mentioned that Mayweather put the fight game on Canelo. The reason why, uh, the, the, the website is named fight game or fight game blog is because of this fight. And Duan and I will talk about that in the Fabulous Four uh, episode coming up soon, which is that was what exactly what Sugar Ray Leonard did to Marvin Hagler, according to you know a lot of the insiders back then, was he put the fight game on him, and we'll explain everything what that actually means in that episode. So um, I think we're done. Um, thanks to Duan for for uh, you know I know it's later for you on Sunday night, and you probably got to go to work uh, on Monday, but I really appreciate you jumping on. We wanted to do a preview, but it didn't work out. So, you know, we we decided the post game would have been the next best thing. So as always doing, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you jumping on board and, uh, and, and hanging out for a little while. No, it's uh, this is this has been a, a a fun fun hour. You know, we've got through I think a good lot of stuff, and you know there was a, there was a, there was a lot more to talk about out of this fight than I think you know either of us predicted. It, uh, it, it, it it's been an interesting time, and you know I think you know this will be another fight that maybe for different reasons, but I think through you know ten fifteen years down down the road, I think you know. There will be books written about uh, Mayweather McGregor and uh, how that promotion went down and how the deals were put together. Excellent. Yeah, obviously. And, um, you know, the the last thing is, is uh, I kind of want to try some of uh, Connor's notorious Irish whiskey. Did you see that? I did not. He uh, he went to the post-fight presser yesterday with a glass in hand and um, he did his opening speech. And then someone asked him a question and like the question finished, but Connor didn't answer. He just took another swig and was like, man, this is some really good whiskey, notorious Irish whiskey coming out soon. <laughs> and so you, you will soon be able to buy Connor McGregor Irish, Irish whiskey. This kind of seems like he's at the position now. You know, the 50 cent was that a few years ago <laughs> when he was able to sell like vitamin water and to, for, for, for like a billion dollars and yeah. things like that. You know, that's how, that's how big a star uh, Conor McGregor has become. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I thought that was a great little tidbit, though. Um, all right. So thanks for hanging out with us. Um, we will be back soon with the uh, re with the next episode of the Fabulous Four podcast. Um, I will be back uh, with other fight game podcasts as well. And hopefully Duan and I can actually get uh, get back together prior to the Canelo Triple G fight. And then we can discuss that fight because I think that that is going to be an amazing and an, just an amazing sporting event uh, that hopefully doesn't get overshadowed like we mentioned. So for Duan, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.